welcome back to the Murdy Creative Co. Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Murdy, and today's topic is the worst place to start. But first, I want to say thank you to everyone who supported the company so far. If you haven't got a chance, go check us out on the web at murdycreative.co. Be sure to check out all of our social media links at the top of the website. And be sure to join our collaborators program if you want to get a little something for sharing the company. Go to murdycreative.co slash collab to learn more about that program. So, for those of you who get our behind-the-scenes email, I told you I'd get you an update of how last week, the end of last week went. But first, I want to go back a little further. So for those of you who are yet new to the podcast, we have been working on getting our bars created in-house. And by doing that, we are working on getting a mill operational. And I'm learning a lot about machining and the challenges that they're in line. And it's been going very poorly, to say the least. Uh, we've, I've broken hundreds of dollars in tools at this point, And it's quite frustrating. But that was last week. This week is better-ish. So... There's some good news. Good news one is this. We did successfully create bars on the machine in a repeated way more than once last week. When the mills arrived on Thursday, the new mill end mills arrived on Thursday and the new taps arrived on Thursday, I set to work to get started on figuring out the best speed and feed to make it operational. And then I broke all six of the taps that I, of the seven that I'd ordered, I broke all six that day, which was extraordinarily frustrating. I also broke five taps back to back to back to back, which was also very frustrating. So at the end of the day, Thursday, I'd learned yet more ways not to make a light bulb as it were. And I went home pretty dejected. It was a pretty upsetting day. But as I was sitting in bed at night, I was thinking to myself, we can have a better way of modifying our tapping process by running it in the low gear. And if we run it in the low gear, because the machine has two different gear settings, one that maxes out at 2000 and is minimum at 70 RPMs, the other one that starts at 250 and goes all the way up to 10,000. If we run it in the low gear setting, maybe we can get it so that the tapping will work better. By tapping it a little bit slower with a little bit more power, perhaps, maybe it'll be better. So in the morning on Friday, I had optimism about some new projects, some new ways of doing this, some new prospects. We had more end mills arriving, more end mills coming, again, because I just keep ordering them. And my hope was that by noon, we'd be able to get something made. Now, we desperately, desperately needed to get like 90 bars made. That was where we had to be. But we didn't, weren't going to be able to do anything until the taps showed up. So I called the company because I had gotten the program rewritten to run the tap at 70 RPMs. So I called the company because the, the spindle wasn't staying at 70 RPMs. It was fluctuating around 70, but not at 70. And I was concerned because when you're rigid power tapping, the tap, which has the threads in it that cuts the threads for the screw, has to go in at a very specific rotation and a very specific Z depth to allow for it to be able to overcome um, any of the issues. And with tapping, it has to be very precise, otherwise it snaps the tap. So I called the Tormach people and I said, hey, this is what I'm trying to do. I'm, I'm having problems because the spindle's not running correctly. Can you help me? And they passed me on to Steve. And I talked to Steve for a long time. Now, Steve is ahead of something. Maybe it's the head of product development. Maybe it's the head of something else. 
Either way, Steve was very knowledgeable and very willing to help me. And he was awesome to talk to. So Steve, if you're listening, kudos to you. What Steve said was that I was going the wrong direction. He said, you don't want to go slower. You want to go faster. Now, up until this point, and everybody I talked to who'd been in the machining world said that power tapping faster is going to cause them to taps to break, right? That's a more, that's even worse of a problem, right? That they, the people I talked to said that power tapping at 250, which is what we were tapping at, was way too fast. So he, when he said that, I was very surprised. I said, do go on. And he said that in the Tormach mills, the, the spindle is clocked in the Z-axis to its rotation. So if, by some chance, the rotational force isn't exactly at the correct RPMs, the X and Y adjust for that, which allows for the power tapping to be done very accurately, even if there is variation. Beyond that, he said that the issue that we were having was related to the fact that the Z-axis was stalling. The VFD was stalling because it didn't have enough power. And that by running it at the higher RPMs, you give that spindle enough inertia that it can basically overcome any resistance. Well, I was surprised by this, to say the least. And I said, well, what kind of RPMs are you talking about here? And he said, well, in our lab tests, we've successfully done 1,500 RPMs, which for those of you who know anything, that's extraordinarily crazy fast for power tapping based off of what the size we were working on, which is the 632nd. So he said, what I would start off between 500 and 1,000. I'd run in there that range and see how it goes. Now, I'm thrilled by this because power tapping at that speed also means that the whole program runs quite a bit faster. So, we had had some bars that had been made where they had been cut to width on the bandsaw, and then they'd been sanded, and they'd been cut to length on the bandsaw. So, they were the correct size dimensions, they just didn't have any holes or any taps. And, or threads, I should say. And so, now that we had had this new revelation that I needed to power tap at a much higher speed, I said, all right, say less, let's do it. So I took the bars that we'd had cut to the correct width and, and length and height, because they're obviously come the correct height, and we put them in the machine, and I ran the power tapping cycle, and it tapped beautifully. I tapped it at 1,000. We did a bunch of these bars, because we had a stock of that ready to go. I, I tapped a bunch of those bars successfully. Now, the tap did break at 1,000 RPMs. I rolled it back to 750, and it is yet to break yet. Now, with that in mind... We are going to be, I'm curious to see how it goes, and we will be doing some, well, I'll call it experimentation, where we run a tap at 500 RPMs until it breaks and count how many holes it does, and then we run that same tap at 750 and see how long it takes to break, and that allows us to be able to kind of do some comparison, because obviously tool wear is an element in this, and ideally we'd like to do it over the course of several months and whatnot and get a good sense so that the data is valid and all that other good stuff, but for the moment, 750 seems to be working pretty well, and that's where we're going to stay. So now that we had the power tapping solved, and that was Friday, by Friday, we were able to power through bars. We were really going fast because what we'd had, I had Trevor go and cut more on the bandsaw. Because like I said, the, there's two really two halves to the problem. Half one is getting the holes drilled and tapped in the correct locations. And then the other half is cutting the bars to the size that we need them to be. They come the correct thickness. They just don't come the correct length and height, as it were. So with Trevor handling that on the bandsaw, he was able to cut a bar about every two minutes to the correct size shape, and I was able to power tap and drill them about every two minutes as well in the, the, the Tormach, the mill. So we started cooking with Crisco, right? Things were going great. We're blazing along, and I think that we made something like 65, 70 bars by the end of the day, which was very exciting. 
at the end of the day, I, we had gotten some more at Milzen and Milzen, and I repeated, I redesigned the code to run off of quarter inch. That didn't work very well. So then I rewrote it to run on three eights. Now three eights, because it's larger than a quarter inch means that more material is being cut. So you're losing more material in this process. It'd be better to go with a very small tap in this case, then you lose less material. And by the way, in rigid machines, a small tap can go much faster through the material. It can cut much faster than the material. However, every single time I tried a small tap, it snapped instantly. So I couldn't even get good ideas of like, oh, it needs to be a little bit faster or a little bit slower or what. We weren't even close, which was frustrating. So with three eighths and running the three eighths end mill, I was able to get a bar cut in three passes, which is pretty good. I'd like it to go a lot faster because that was three passes at like eight inches a minute, which means that it took us four minutes to cut the bar out, right? So now the machine can cut and tap and drill a bar in about seven minutes, which is slower than we were able to do it before, but it's doing it by itself. It doesn't need another human involved in it. So, you know, that's, there's something to that. But this was all on a rudimentary fixture that we had designed my machinist friend and I, and built in the middle of the night. And it was designed to do one bar at a time, and it was not the final version. That was Friday. Monday was President's Day, and nobody was here. But I was here. And on Sunday night, I came back and was here with my machinist friend, and we were working on discussing the problems, because we were continuing to have problems, with, even with the 3 end mill. And I wanted him to run some tests, because he knows what to listen for. This is something I did not realize about machining. Machining is much more of an art than it is a science. It has quite a bit of science and math to it. But there's a lot of different ways to do things, because there's a lot of things in machining that aren't particularly good to quantify. I'll give you a good example of the one that's the hardest. Rigidity. So, if you have a perfectly rigid machine, and by rigid I mean that as the spindle moves up and down, and as the table moves X and Y, all of the elements of the machine stay exactly where they are and aren't moved at all, and the tool spins exactly as it's supposed to. That's the infinitely rigid machine. A lot of the speeds and feeds that are in the machinist handbook are built around that ideal condition. And really high-end mills, very good, fancy, expensive mills, can maintain rigidity close to that. My machine cannot. It seems, from the best we can tell, that my machine's weak point is not the rigidity of the tool, which is where all the machinist handbook's designs are built around, but actually the rigidity of the spindle itself. Now, it's a pretty rigid machine for most things, and perhaps stainless is really its weakness, right? But beyond that, you've got the rigidity of the machine, and then you have the rigidity of the material and the fixture that holds the material. Now, here was another area where this design had failure points. The old fixture design was being held onto the table by a machinist vise. Now, a machinist vise is just like a benchtop vise, but way more precise. And it was five inches wide. Well, our bars are eight and a quarter inch wide, so now all of a sudden you've got a little bit of overhang on either side. Now, the plate, the fixture plate that these are being made on is about a quarter inch thick steel. I can't bend that, but the machine can. And so as the machine is cutting, even that little bit sticking out of the vise, even with that thick of material, is still vibrating a little bit under the machine's end mill curtain. Then the material is being held in place on two parts, two points, but the back half of the material wasn't being held in place. 
Now I fixed that with some hand vice grips, but the problem is that those aren't able to produce enough rigidity either. And even under the best of conditions, those couldn't possibly produce the rigidity we need. So now the material is vibrating. So this was a real problem that we were dealing with, which was that we were trying to cut through something, and we still are, and still struggling with that, that isn't rigidly held in a machine that already isn't very rigid to start with. Now, all this comes together in a very complicated way. And this is where the art comes in, because you can't really tell a lot of these things. You can't tell how rigid a machine is going to be or how rigid a fixture is going to be kind of with any sort of math or arbitrariness. Now, there are ways to overbuild your fixtures, right? You can add way more material than you need to to make them way stronger. A lot of times that's being done, and that's what we're planning on doing with the next fixtures. But there's a certain amount of experiential capability that comes with doing it over and over. You can begin to see, okay, what is working and what isn't. And more importantly, you can hear it. That I did not understand. So when my friend Skitty was in here helping me work through this, he's the machinist friend, I, he was t dialing in the speeds and feeds as we were doing our tests, and he was able to say, okay, that high-pitched squeaking you hear, that's the, that's the material vibrating. That's a bad sign. That will wear on your tool, and that will make it much worse. Now, that makes perfect sense, because if you think about it, as the tool is spinning, if the material is spinning as well, or if the material is vibrating underneath it, you're constantly getting this uneven back and forth of the two pieces clashing together. Rather than having it be that they, the piece is solid and the material is exactly where the end mill thinks it is as it's cutting, right? So that high pitch, pitch squealing that we were hearing is the material moving. So he was dialing in speeds and feeds based off that. And it's supposed to sound kind of like Mongolian throat singing. It's a very deep guttural sound that just kind of chugs along. And after I was able to sit there with him and listen to it, I began to hear what he was talking about. I was able to get a sense of, okay, this is the right sound and this is the wrong sound and this is what we're seeing hearing. All of that was very helpful. That night, we began working on a new design for a new fixture jig for making of the bars. Now, in the earlier, earlier fixture, not the one we're currently using, but in the original design of the fixture that we were working on, it was going to produce 18 bars in two operations. So it was going to do all of the first operation. You'd do a bunch of those plates, and then you'd switch the fixture, and you'd do a bunch of additional plates for a second operation that would finish them out. The new idea and I like it better, and he likes it better too, and he thinks it's a better idea, is that there will actually be multiple fixtures inside the machine at the same time. Rather than doing 18 bars at once, what it'll do is it'll do seven bars at once, and you'll put raw stock into operation one. Operation one will finish, and you'll move that raw stock into operation two and put more new stock in operation one, and then you move them over to operation three, and so on and so forth. So basically, every time you're pulling out, finished bars and you're putting in raw stock and it just moves down the assembly line. And by doing that, you eliminate a lot of the likelihood of you getting all of operation one done and breaking all of your tools so you can't even begin to do operation two, right? So functionally from a production standpoint, this is a better way of doing it. And we worked on designing it. However, his computer kept crashing and so we weren't actually able to build it. So the new fixture is still coming and it's coming hopefully soon. Why is this the worst place to start? Tapping with a 632nd tap is considered in the machining world one of the most difficult taps to use. Its size and its diameter and its thread pitch and all those other things make it very difficult to not snap. Stainless steel is one of the hardest materials to tap well because it's very gummy. It also is one of the most difficult materials to cut with an end mill well for the same reason. 
Oh, beyond that, if stainless steel gets hardened during the process, if it gets hot during the process of cutting it, because your speeds and your feeds are wrong, it will work hardened. So it will get harder as you cut through it. Which means that it can, the, the, the machine can work just fine on the first pass, but if it got too hot in that first pass, the second pass, it can't because it's too hard. So realistically, we are doing this, we are, we are starting in the most challenging type of part to make. And that's where we're learning how to machine. And I'm hoping that means that I get pretty good at it because obviously that's a real challenge for us. In the end, we are able to make bars now. We're still using the fixture that I don't like very much and we're still coming up with trying to figure out ways to make it work because it doesn't work very well in light of the fact that it's not very rigidly held in place. I'm still working on solutions to that problem. In the meantime, we've gotten, we're moving along on the design for the alternative fixture and that's gonna be the priority hopefully for us is to get that alternative fixture finished and ready to go. And in the meantime, we will keep the bars flowing as best we can. And I'm very excited about that. Now, for those of you who are in our email list, uh, just as a note, we are changing the name of the Composition Cut Notebook, the Composition Cut Journal, excuse me. That journal, which is the, so it goes Mini Cut, which is the small one, then there's the Classic and the Metric, which are about the same size, and then there's the Composition Cut, which is the largest. We have a new product that's coming out, very soon, hopefully next week, and I'll tell you more about that next week's podcast, hopefully, that will be much better suited to the name Composition Cut, and it will make more sense when I tell you about it more. So we want to name the new product a Composition Cut and rename the old Composition Cut. Now, our current two options are Ledger Cut or Excel Cut. We're still working on that. We'd love to get your feedback, though, while we work on the new name. So... If you'd like to vote in that, go to murdycreative.co slash ledger or murdycreative.co slash XL to place your vote. Once you go to the URL, that casts the vote. It goes to the same thank you page. So just keep that in mind. Not same, it's a different thank you page. But the moral of the story is going to murdycreative.co slash ledger or going to murdycreative.co slash XL. Like E, no, no, it's murdycreative.co slash X, the letter X, and then the letter L. That will be the way to vote. We really appreciate your input in this and we're working hard to come up with something very exciting new. And uh, stay tuned because that's going to be very, very cool once it comes out. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Be sure to check back in next week for the next topic. And don't forget to check that subscribe button as well as the notification bell to get notified when we launch new episodes. If you uh, want any help whatsoever with your, with your product, you need any assistance with it, check us out on the web, murdycreative.co. You can reach out to us directly on the website through the contact form at the bottom of the main page, or you can send us an email directly, S-A-L-E-S at murdycreative.co, sales at murdycreative.co. You can also call us or text us at 414-434-9001. That's our line. You can, once again, you can call or text us Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Central Time. That's 414-434-9001. Also, feel free to leave us a voicemail. We'll be happy to get back to you as soon as we possibly can. And we appreciate your patience while we reach out and reach back. Uh, if you think we deserve a good review, you can go a long way to help us grow. So check out our reviews by going to murdycreative.co slash review. That's how you can leave a review. If you want to go to murdycreative.co slash reviews, that's how you can read all of our reviews. We really appreciate it. All your nice words are great. I make sure to read them to the team. Everybody knows how happy you guys are. And it really helps brighten our day. So we appreciate that. Uh, if you're looking for any podcast topics, send them my way. I'm always happy to talk about what you guys want to know about. And also, if you're looking for bulk items for menus, anything you would like, giveaways, or anything like that, don't forget Employee Appreciation Day is coming up soon for you business owners. Uh, if you want to look at anything like that, you can add anything to your website, 
Mix and match to your heart's desire. It's purely based off the total cart quantity. The automatic bulk discount should apply for the quantity that you put in your cart, and you can hit checkout. If you'd like to know more about the program itself, feel free to send us an email. We'd be happy to talk you through it. If you'd like to get a custom engraved item, we have no minimum order quantities and no setup fees for the engraving. It's a simple flat fee of about $15, and you can go and you can click on the blue Add Logo Engraving or Add Custom Engraving on the product page below the Add to Cart button. That'll launch the customizer for the available product, and you can add your upload your logo, you can add text, all sorts of cool things, and you can hit Add to Cart. From there, if you want to get a bunch of them, you can change the quantity at that point, but otherwise, if you just want to get one, you can just get one. Please don't use any copyright work. It really causes problems and headaches for us. We really don't want to have to deal with that. So please don't use copyright work unless you have the permissions for it. However, there's a lot of great places you can get really cool artwork and you can get the permissions at the same time. So check those out. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Have a great day and goodbye.